Welcome, everyone, to the PFF Fantasy Podcast. I am your host, John Macri, fantasy analyst here at PFF, and I am once again joined by PFF's lead fantasy analyst to help us recap another fun week in the NFL, the great Nathan Yonke. Nate, how are you? Good, sir. I'm doing well. We had another fun week of football yesterday, a lot of interesting stuff to talk about. So um, I'll let us jump into it outside of my Scott Fishbowl League, where I got completely and utterly destroyed. Uh, Raheem Mostert went off all of the wide receivers I went up against had at least 90 receiving yards and they had two kickers in their lineup and they made a combined 10 field goals. So (laughs) it's not looking good for me there, but outside of that, it was a good Sunday. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. We love fantasy football, but we also hate it very much when things like that happen. Um, so I feel your pain there. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to get into these recaps. We, we got some good takeaways from uh, this past weekend's game. And again, we're not going necessarily game by game or anything, but we're going to focus on some some of these top takeaways. Um, and and yeah, Nate, you, you have all the takeaways from every single game up on PFF.com as well. If there's something that we maybe don't cover today that people wanted to hear about, you can almost be guaranteed to find that uh, in Nate's articles on pff.com. So go check those out as well. Um, And yeah, before we get into it, uh, let's dive into a quick shout out from our presenting sponsor, Fabric by Gerber Life. Fall is all about the back to school and back to routine checklist. And the most important task on that list should be securing your family's financial future, starting with life insurance. Fabric by Gerber Life makes it quick, easy, and affordable to protect your family so you can get back to enjoying life. Fabric was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high-quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. Fabric has flexible policies that fit your family and your budget with quality policies like a million dollars of coverage for less than a dollar a day. Get your personalized quote in just minutes and then apply when it's convenient for you. It's all online and on your schedule. You can go from start to cover in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com fantasy. That's meetfabric.com fantasy. M-E-E-T fabric.com fantasy. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Insurance Company. Not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. All right, let's get into it here and start things off with a interesting development out of Houston, um, specifically with their backfield. Uh, Nate, what did the Texans show us this weekend with Damian Pierce, Devin Singletary, uh, and Mike Boone? Uh, Devin Singletary got a lot more involved in the offense that it, he had in recent weeks. Um, he started the season just being the backup on early downs. He eventually took over as the primary third down back. But in this game, he was also the primary early down back for a lot of the game. Um, Damien Pierce started the game as usual, but Singletary mixed in on the first drive, saw significant work on the second drive. So it was pretty clear that this was not a game script related thing or anything like that. They were getting him more involved at the beginning of the game. So this was part of the plan. Um, so he saw over half of the snaps on early downs, saw a lot of the short yardage work, even though Pierce did still see a lot of the goal line work. Um, just allowed Mike Boone to take a little bit more of the third down snaps, but it was uh, close to 50-50, just one snap away from that. So it was really interesting to see uh, Singletary do this. Uh, Pierce, over the first five weeks, was only averaging 2.9 yards per carry, which was not great. Um, we were blaming a lot of that on the offensive line. They had a lot of injuries there. A lot of those players have come back now, 
but uh, Singletary was looking fine in the run game in previous games, so it looks like they made this change, and Singletary was the more effective runner in this game, averaging 4.8 yards per carry compared to 2.6 by Pierce. So this is very well something that could continue going forward. Of Yeah, Pierce will still be involved at times on early downs, but Singletary could be the every down back in Houston going forward. I know in Buffalo he didn't get the most respect, but he did grade very well as a runner in his time in Buffalo, even though that offense was very much focused on the passing game. So Singletary didn't necessarily always get huge chances to um, accumulate a lot of stats, but now he might have that opportunity here in Houston. So Singletary is definitely someone that I would look to pick up off the waiver wire, and Pierce is someone that kind of week in and week out when I'm doing my starts at column, I've been leaning towards either writing him as I sit or just not including him, even though I'm probably not starting him. But now it's definitely at a point where you probably don't want single or you don't want Pierce in your starting lineup. Yeah, I'm with you. And and it yeah, really kind of came out of nowhere almost because even in week five, like Singletary played, but I don't think he even got a single carry in that game. Right. So he was like, basically not involved at all and then and then goes for the to this week where it basically becomes much more involved and yeah pushes damian pierce potentially down the depth chart so like you said singletary he he's been effective he's never had you know necessarily like a huge amount of opportunity but he's always kind of been effective and definitely been more effective than pierce this year so um that that'll be interesting to kind of keep an eye on and i'm with you i would be adding singletary for sure off the waiver wires um all right. In the next piece of running back news uh, out of Cleveland, where the Browns uh, shocked the 49ers with a 19 to 17 win at home to end their undefeated season, helped by Kareem Hunt, who goes for 47 yards and a touchdown on the ground, leading the Cleveland backs for fantasy purposes this week. So, Nate, what did this backfield deployment look like um, to make that happen? Uh, yeah, this was kind of similar. We saw Hunt get more involved in the offense, although maybe not to the same extent that Singletary did in Houston. But uh, he was the first one to get a carry in this game, so it was similarly alarming at the start of the game that Hunt was getting more involved. Um, Probably the biggest piece here is that uh, in the past couple weeks, Pierre Strong was getting a significant opportunities on early downs, seeing maybe a quarter of the offensive snaps on early downs, and Hunt completely took over those snaps that strong was taking he only had a one offensive snap in this game but he also started to take some of the work away from jerome ford um for a lot of the game hunt was outperforming ford uh he was over the first of uh, roughly three quarters averaging six yards per carry where ford his best run was for six yards so hunt was looking a lot better but then ford at the end of the game in the fourth quarter played very well five carries for 52 yards so his statistics started to look a lot better. He started seeing a little bit more work late in the game. So um, it's possible Ford did enough late in the game to kind of keep his starting job going forward. But Hunt seems like he's going to be a bigger part of the offense going forward. And it's possible he could overtake Ford if he starts playing better than Ford. So he's another player that I'd be looking to get off the waiver wire. Probably not someone I'd be uh, willing to put in my starting lineup quite yet. Just rather see how this backfield ends up shaking out over the next couple weeks but i think it's at least possible that hunt will be the starter late in the season so someone i'd want on my roster in case he ends up winning that starting job at some point 
Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think too, like coming out of the bye week that, you know, seeing this increased usage for Hunt and, and the running game really hasn't been very effective with, with Nick Chubb out. And, and some of that has been, you know, the offensive line as well. Like they did well this week against a very good San Francisco D line, but like coming into this week that the offensive line had combined for a 54.8 run blocking grade um, after being like one of the, the, the top six offensive lines in the league last year in run blocking so they got a lot closer to that this week so i think that's potentially a, a huge boost if that offensive line can kind of get back to what they were last year um because they got to make up for for not having nick chubb back there so if kareem hunt or jerome ford whoever it is that ends up emerging here and potentially kareem hunt that, that could be some more fantasy potential there as well in cleveland so good to see um all right on to Minnesota now. Uh, the Vikings squeak by the Chicago Bears in a game where there was not a lot of fantasy production, um, but there was at least a player whose usage was good, but another one of those struggling fantasy producers. So, Nate, tell us about Alexander Madison. Uh, yeah, so he was someone the last two weeks kind of saw a decent drop off in his offensive playing time. Uh, especially last week, Cam Akers was starting to see more of the work on early downs. They were using their fullback, CJ Ham a lot on third downs, and both of those trends started to reverse a bit in this game. Uh, Madison was seeing roughly the same amount of early down work that he was seeing early in the season. Uh, CJ Ham still took a couple third downs here and there, but Alexander Madison was still the primary running back on third downs in this game. So his playing time was very similar to what it was before the Cam Akers trade. So that was very good to see for Madison. Uh, Akers for a while didn't even see a carry. Some people were thinking that he wasn't playing, but he was at least seeing a couple snaps here and there. Um, he wasn't all that effective in the run game, but this was his third time in four weeks with 17 or more carries. So even though the production wasn't quite there in this game, he is seeing a ton of volume in the run game. Um, and in the passing game, he was more involved this week than some past weeks. Uh, fourth time in his career with several more targets. So saw plenty of targets in this game. Uh, so even though the production wasn't quite there, he's someone that I'm probably comfortable keeping in my fantasy starting lineup going forward since I think he will continue to see lots of carries and still be at least somewhat involved in the passing game. So uh, definitely a good sign for anyone who drafted Madison to be a starting fantasy running back this year. Yeah, I just wish he'd be more effective. That that's that's the only thing because I've been trusting him as well. The volume is there, just but yeah, like I think this is like four of six games now this season. He's delivered three and a half yards per carry or less. Um, this this last week being the worst one, two point four yards per carry. So that that's been a bit of a bummer. But nice to see that the volume is there. Just would have hoped against Chicago would have had a better game, but um, potentially could get there uh, in the weeks ahead because you know the the, the volume, like we said, is, is the main thing. So we just need him to be more efficient. But um, how about uh, with week two of, of Jonathan Taylor's return to the field? Um, he had a surprisingly low workload in, in week five. Uh, it was expected to see an increase in week six. Zach Moss obviously was still involved as well. He scored a touchdown this week for the Colts. So how much more involved was Taylor uh, this week, Nate? This was about as close to a 50-50 split that you can see in a backfield with Moss and Taylor. Um, at halftime, it was exactly 50-50 in terms of how much playing time both of them were seeing. In the third quarter, it was similarly fairly close to 50-50. It was just that fourth quarter where 
Um, Moss was in for a drive. Uh, they were playing from behind. So before they were just fine subbing in the backs every couple of plays, but because they were passing to try catching up, they didn't have time to sub the running back in and out. So Moss was in for a longer drive. Taylor was in for a shorter drive, which is why Moss ended up with slightly more offensive snaps. And then by the end of the game, it was out of reach. So they let Trey Sermon have a couple of snaps at the end of the game, but Sermon was only involved because it was a blowout in the direction that the Colts weren't happy with. So um, both of them had 14 opportunities total in their rushing game and targets combined. Taylor gained 65 yards on them. Moss gained 59. So even in terms of rushing attempts, in terms of targets, receptions, it was all fairly close. So um, probably a point where you're either starting either one of them or benching either one of them, depending on the opponent. I think we would expect Taylor to eventually see more than 50% given how much he was given in this contract. So I think once he is clearly has a good game or starts having the hot hand, I think he can overtake this backfield and see the majority of snaps going forward. But I think until we start to see the same Taylor as how he played before his injury, um, going back a year or two ago, I think we'll continue to see at least somewhat of a split. Yeah, I, I think that makes perfect sense. And and kind of a nice thing to, to take away too, like Gardner Minshew obviously targeting the running backs too at like a pretty high rate here. Seven targets for, for Zach Moss, six targets for Jonathan Taylor in this game. Nice combined 25% target share for the running back position. So if we do see like Jonathan Taylor, for example, kind of emerge as, as like a clear passing down back or something like that, for the, there could be even more potential for those PPR leagues as well um, if that tendency continues for for. Minshew um so yeah good stuff there uh let's do a quick ad break here and this one is brought to you by prize picks prize picks is a skill-based real money daily fantasy sports game how does it work you pick two to six players and if they will come up more or less than their prize picks projection um you could win up to 25 times your money on any entry so nate we're going into Monday night football here. We got a couple potential picks here. And the first one is CD Lamb over 14 and a half fantasy points. And that is PPR. Lamb, he's he's been quieter this year, but this feels like a pretty decent spot for a bounce back. Do you like CD Lamb over 14 and a half tonight? I do. Uh, for one, the Chargers have allowed the most fantasy points to wide receivers per game so far this season. So um, the matchup is very good. The Cowboys. In general, it's been a very weird season for them. They've either blown out their opponent or have been blown out. So either way, you're not typically playing a lot of your star players in the fourth quarter in those games. So I think that's kind of hurt all of the Cowboys skill players to this point that they're either staying ahead and fine using their backup running backs to stay ahead or they're out of game. So it's time to put in backups in that direction. So I think this will be a bounce back game for a lot of Cowboys in general. I expect it to be high scoring on both sides of the, the chargers and the Cowboys offenses. So I think having lamb, the Cowboys star receiver having a good game, I think it's uh, pretty likely to happen in this game. I like it. I'm with you. And then our other pick was a uh, tight end for the Cowboys, Jake Ferguson going over three and a half receptions. Nate Ferguson, he's been involved. The, the, the snaps haven't always been there, but when he's on the field, he's getting a lot of targets. Like you said, there's potential here for a high scoring game. I think with um, Peyton Hendershot also on IR as well. We had talked about Jake Ferguson on our preview pod with Kate uh, last week. We like him this week. So three and a half receptions. You feel pretty good about this? 
Uh, yeah, we've talked about him on our waiver wire show as well, with Hendershot being the big thing that was in his way early in the season with Hendershot seeing a lot of the third down snaps or 11 personnel snaps in passing situations. Ferguson has been among the top tight ends in terms of uh, target rate. And with Hendershot on IR, like you said, this has led to more offensive snaps for Ferguson, so more opportunities for him. So um, he's had at least uh, four or five, she's had at least five receptions in two of the last three games. The one exception was San Francisco, who's done a nice job of shutting down tight ends so far this season. So the Chargers have been right around league average in that perspective. So I think Ferguson should get involved in the offense, and a couple catches is definitely within his, the realm of possibilities there. Nice. Love it. All right. At prize picks, you aren't competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections. Go to prizepicks.com slash fantasy and use code fantasy for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's for prizepicks.com slash fantasy and use code fantasy for a first deposit match up to $100. All right. A few more running backs to talk about here, and we'll keep things going in New England where the Pates. Patriots drop another one against Jimmy G and Jacoby Myers in their revenge game, but it's the New England backfield worth discussing here since we, we touched on it last week with Ezekiel Elliott and, and Ramondre Stevenson splitting the workload. So Nate, how did that Patriots backfield look this week between the two of them? Uh, this kind of was similar to the Madison situation where we saw things going in one direction and this was a sharp shift back in the other direction where we saw Stevenson see a lot more playing time in this game. Um, they had been using a rotation by drive. The fact that they used Stevenson on both the first and the second drive was a little telling that they were um, more happy with Stevenson at the moment, even though the first drive was a three and out. So when you see rotations by drive like that, sometimes you see a team use a player for two straight drives when it's a shorter drive, but that's not always the case. So it was good to see that for Stevenson. Uh, we also saw Stevenson a lot in passing situations, even when it was one of Elliott's drives. So that also helped his playing time increase. And then it's worth noting Stevenson missed almost the entire third quarter in this game due to injury, but came back in the fourth quarter. So I, I just was looking at the graph that if you are uh, watching this rather than listening, you'll see that he played over 50% of snaps, uh, saw 36 snaps compared to 20 by Elliott. Um, I would have thought this was a good game by Stevenson, but when you take into account that he missed nearly the entire third quarter for Elliott playing in the third quarter, Stevenson took 21 of 23 snaps in the fourth quarter, so that was huge for Stevenson as well. They were passing to catch up, and while they had been trusting Elliott more and more in passing situations, now they were happy to have Stevenson in for all of those passing situations. So I would expect his offensive snaps to be even higher next week. Um, I think this is something that can continue, and I'd definitely consider Stevenson as a buy-low candidate since this was a game where Elliott was able to score a touchdown. So looked good on Elliott's side as well. Stevenson also scored. So um, Stevenson, someone that I was getting less and less confident on, but I think he should be able to bounce back. And ideally, if the Patriots offense in general can start playing better, uh, that would be pretty big for Stevenson. Yeah, that, that would be nice for sure. And this was something that we talked about last week too, right? Like when we were talking about this usage and Bill Belichick had also come out and said that he wants to kind of redo the offense and there was going to be some changes, right? So this obviously being one of those big changes here, he's getting Ramondre Stevenson back more involved and it was nice to see him, yeah, get six targets, five receptions, just 24 yards in, through the through the air. But 
like you said, 46 yards on the ground and a touchdown as well. So nice stuff there from Ramondre Stevenson. And like you said, hopefully just gets better uh, going forward. Um, all right, one more running back situation uh, to sort out here before we move on to the other position. And it's one where fantasy managers spent a, a lot of waiver claims and fab on this, this past week, uh, focusing on a couple different names here. Nate, the Arizona Cardinals, James Conner landing on IR, obviously. Amari DiMarcado was the top waiver claim on Wednesday morning for a lot of leagues. But in that time, since then, Keontae Ingram has gotten healthy enough to play. The team called up Damian Williams. So, Nate, how did the usage shake out in uh, Arizona's backfield? It was basically Keontae Ingram was the main early down back. Uh, DiMarcado was the main third down and passing down back. Um, because Arizona was down in this game and in a lot of passing situations, he ended up leading the team in offensive snaps, but it was less than 50% of the total snaps. Uh, Ingram ended up leading the team in carries with 10, gained 40 yards on them. So not a great game by any means because Damien Williams uh, surprisingly got involved in the offense as well, saw a number of carries in this game. It was especially surprising because uh, they added Tony Jones off of waivers. So he was already on the active roster where Williams was a practice squad call up. We'll be going back down to the practice squad today. So It'll be unclear if they call up Williams again, if they are happier with Jones at this point, since Jones had only been on the team for a couple of days, where Williams uh, also on the team for 10 days. So only a couple of days had start over Jones, but maybe that was enough for them to like Williams in this game. Uh, they also have Corey Clement on the practice squad, but he's already been called up two times. So it could really be any of those three backs that still get involved in the offense. Uh, I'd probably in most leagues would avoid this altogether going forward since the next three games are going all against teams with winning records that have generally been good at stopping fantasy running backs. And if it's a three man split, that in itself is not great um, because Ingram was the one getting the most touches even with this game script he's probably the one of the three that i'd want going forward if you had to have any or i guess of any of these five running backs really um ingram would be the one to have there's at least a chance that demarcado gets more involved in the run game but he got plenty of snaps in the passing game and if they rather have a committee backfield i don't see ingram getting a lot of carries unless they find one of these other running backs that they trust in the passing game. But I don't think any of them, I guess Williams a lot earlier in his career had plenty of opportunities in the passing game, but not as much in the past few years. So I would expect DiMarcado to continue to lead this offense and offensive snaps in the backfield, but Ingram to continue to get the most touches. So again, one I'd avoid, but if you need an Arizona running back, because you're in a deep enough league that warrants having one of them, Ingram would be the one that I'd have. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, we, we, we talked about this one on, on the preview pod as well and, and and had mentioned that there could definitely be some shenanigans with the usage here and, and potential for split carries and, and touches. So we did caution to avoid um, for this week just to kind of see how it plays out. Hopefully people listen, but it did not really play out in a clear way. So it, be, it still becomes, uh, like you said, kind of an, a group to avoid kind of going forward here. So 
Um, that'll, that'll do it for our running backs. Let's go on to some wide receiver situations now uh, and start with the Carolina Panthers, who we know are hooked on a Thielen over there. But there's also a few other wide receivers in that offense as well, um, just ones that maybe not, aren't nearly as productive as old Adam Thielen. But second on the team in receiving yards this past week was DJ Chark. So, Nate, was there anything from Chark and his usage to give fantasy managers hope for a, a second fantasy relevant Carolina wide receiver? Not really in this game. He saw a decrease in playing time. Um, over the first couple weeks of the season, we had seen um, some injuries to the Carolina wide receivers, Chark uh, for a little bit, Mingo for a little bit as well. So uh, Terrace Marshall was getting uh, very involved over the first four weeks of the season. But last week we saw um, them stick with their top three wide receivers for basically the entire game with Thielen, uh, Chark, and Mingo. Uh, there had been rumors that Carolina's been looking for a new number one wide receiver in the trade market. Um, guys either from Denver are a possibility. I know T Higgins is a name that's always brought up if Cincinnati is willing to trade him, but um, it had seemed like uh, Mingo would be the one getting benched out of those three wide receivers based on what reporters were saying. But in this game, it looks like Chark might be the one that could get benched. Uh, Chark, Mingo, and Marshall all entered the game with PFF grades between 40 and uh, not 40, 54 and 59. So all uh, more or less interchangeable in how both how they were getting used and how well they've been playing. So in this game, they started rotating Chark out a little bit more for Marshall. Uh, Mingo continued to see a significant amount of playing time. Thielen, of course, continued to play almost every snap. Um, Thielen isn't playing as much in 12 personnel, but that doesn't matter when Carolina's in 11 personnel for basically the entire game. So uh, Chark started the game, played most of the snaps on the first two drives, but Marshall was the third wide receiver on the third drive. And then over the rest of the game, uh, Chark, uh, played all but one snap in the second quarter, but only played 20 of 32 snaps in the second half with Marshall taking those 12 other snaps. Uh, Chark ran 12 routes in that time. Marshall ran 10 routes in that time. So even though Chark had a clear lead in terms of playing time, in terms of routes, it was pretty even split between Chark and Marshall in the second half of the game. So um, I could see them continuing to rotate going forward, even though Chark did end up with and second in receiving yards in this game, but it was a lot of players who had uh, some receiving yards and then Adam Thielen, who was far and away ahead of all the other wide receivers on the team. So I wouldn't be surprised if Chark continues to rotate. And if Carolina does make a trade for a wide receiver, then I could see Chark potentially no longer being in the starting lineup. Yeah, I, I think that makes perfect sense. I, I would not have any interest in, in Chark, especially if they make a trade. But e even with, I mean, this passing offense, it really does seem to be kind of focused around Adam Thielen only. So I, I would be uh, not very excited about Chark, especially after this week. Um, he could potentially even be droppable in certain leagues, um, especially if this continues. But um, another wide receiver situation. We talked about the Texans backfield earlier. Um, so let's shift over to their wide receiver core now because uh, they were without Tank Dell due to a concussion in this game. Nico Collins was still there doing his thing. He led the team in receiving yards. But how did the rest of this Texans wide receiver core shake out? Because Noah Brown also returned from uh, IR Nate. Uh, yeah, it was an interesting week in both Houston and New England. Both had receivers who were out with injury as well as receivers returning from injury. So we saw lots of change for both of those teams. Um, with Tank Dell and active for the game and Noah Brown returning, 
Um, to start the season, we saw Noah Brown among the starting receivers with Robert Woods and Nico Collins with Nico Collins and Robert Woods playing on the outside, Noah Brown playing in the slot. Then once Brown went on injured reserve, it was Woods who moved to the slot, which allowed Tank Dell to become the starting outside receiver for Houston, and that's how it had been the past couple games. Um, in this one, Brown returned to being a starter, but it was Brown and Woods who kind of rotated in the slot. Sometimes it was Woods, sometimes it was Brown. A pretty even split in terms of playing time in the slot for both of them. So it'll be really interesting to see what the Texans do going forward. Um, once uh, Tank Dell, who was in the concussion protocol, a lot of times a player is only out for one game. So wouldn't be surprised if Dell is back for their next game. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how they end up rotating their receivers. My best guess is that all of them will see a slight dip in playing time compared to what they've usually seen. Robert Woods in general has been someone who's seen a pretty consistent decline in his playing time over the course of the season with uh, John Mechie as well, getting involved in the offense, Xavier Hutchinson also getting involved particularly in this game as well. So I could see Robert Woods potentially seeing a significant decline in playing time. Um, I think most ideal for fantasy managers is uh, Nico Collins and Tank Dow continue to be starters and play the vast majority of snaps and potentially start playing even more snaps than they have been in the past with uh, Woods and Brown kind of rotating in the slot. But I don't know if that'll happen right away. So um, a little bit of caution for anyone who has any of the Texans receivers that we could see some weird stuff in this game. We just saw them change what they did at running back. So it's certainly possible that continue to evolve what they do at wide receiver. But It'll be uh, probably a transition game next week to see how it'll be with all of these receivers healthy and playing with Tank Dell, who was a backup and is now a starter. So we'll see something different than what we've seen so far this season at the very least. Yeah, for sure. And, it, and next week for the Texans, they're on a bye. So it gives them another week to, to get healthier as well. So Tank Dell should return. We should get a better kind of clearer picture of what this offense with those with all those wide receivers healthy in, in week eight will look like. So yeah, I'm with you. Hopefully it's Tank Dell and, and Nico Collins and we don't have to deal with like a, a rotation of, of a too heavy of a rotation over there. But um, Dell and, and Collins have been awesome this year. So hopefully they keep giving them opportunities. Um, you did mention, yeah, the, the Patriots as well nate so they, they again similar situation there um they were without juju smith schuster no demario douglas they but they also got taekwon thornton back so um anything to take away from how new england used their wide receivers uh yeah so kendrick Bourne uh typically has only played an 11 personnel he became an every down receiver he had a big game this week so uh good to see that out of Bourne. but i wouldn't be surprised if next week his playing time declines again so even though he looks like someone who would be good to get off the waiver wire i'd probably lean towards some other wide receivers who we'll talk about tomorrow which of those wide receivers i'd consider targeting but um so Bourne started playing there and taekwon thornton return and he was playing in 11 personnel uh more often than not at least uh, kendrick Bourne had been playing more outside receivers so far this season he was the primary slot receiver in this game so also expect him to go back outside once some of these other wide receivers are healthy it was also interesting that uh, they activated jalen rager off the practice squad when they had um their other sixth round receiver healthy uh 
Booty or Bodie or however you pronounce his last name. Um, he's been inactive the past couple of weeks, uh, played significantly in week one. So it was a little surprising that they went with Rager over the rookie in this one. But it's again, Juju Smith-Schuster, Demario Douglas, both dealing with concussions. So I wouldn't be surprised if they are back this week. Um, Juju Smith-Schuster already not playing as much t- playing time as we expected, playing a lot in 12 personnel, not so much in 11 personnel. So I really don't know how much playing time Tyquan Thornton will be getting going forward. Um, Devontae Parker has had a pretty solid role in the offense in terms of playing time, playing significantly in both 11 and 12 personnel, the only wide receiver on the team that's been seeing a very high percentage of offensive snaps, but he really hasn't done a lot with those snaps so far this season. So people were speculating that Thornton might take over for Parker as the starter. And then Parker received his new contract to start the season. So um, there was less momentum on that. But I think if Thornton is going to see any role in the offense, it probably has to come at the expense of Parker unless uh, New England starts to punt on the season and trade someone like Kendrick Bourne. But if they're keeping all of their wide receivers, it's going to be hard for all of them to get playing time. And obviously with how the Patriots offense has been playing in general, you probably don't want any of them anyway. But if the offense starts playing better, then there's a chance someone could be fantasy relevant, but they need a big enough role for you to trust them going forward as well. Yeah, for sure. It's it's kind of a hot mess over there as far as figuring out what the rotation is each week. But there are definitely deep leagues, right, where these guys are relevant and it's important to kind of pay attention to this stuff. So uh, very helpful stuff there um, to try and sort out this this Patriots uh, wide receiver core. And like you said, um, hopefully we get some better clarity going forward. Maybe somebody gets traded. But um, yeah, there, there's at least some some players of interest there to kind of keep in mind. But before we go on to the other position here, the, the tight end position, uh, one more quick ad break, and that is our next partner, which is AG1, the daily fa- new the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. I've been drinking it every day. I need it. I'm not the healthiest possible person when it comes to diet. So I I can't stick to a good diet, but this has definitely been a a big health help for me having AG one included in my daily routine. Um, It's something quick, easy that I can build into my diet where I don't have to worry about taking like so many supplements and pills and all of that fun stuff. Uh, Just wanted a single solution that supports my entire body and covers my nutritional basis every day, wanted better gut health, a boost in energy, immune system support, and wanted a supplement that actually tastes great. I throw my AG1 into a fruit smoothie every morning and start the day off with everything I need for my body, like I'm giving my body the nutrition it craves. So uh, again, as someone who can't be alone in wanting to improve their health and has a difficult time doing so when it comes to overall diet, adding AG1 to my day has been a game changer in that regard. I get 75 high quality ingredients that give me uh, key daily nutrients and support energy, focus, strength, and clarity. Just mix one small scoop with my smoothie and drink it first thing each morning done simple as that another added bonus is that it costs less than three dollars a day which is pretty good if you ask me it's a relatively effective daily habit with high quality sourced ingredients Um, a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine then try ag1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin d and five free ag1 travel packs with your first purchase go to drinkag1.com pff that's drinkag1.com pff check it out now 
All right, last position to go over on the day, and that is the tight ends. And we'll start with another rookie tight end here. Um, the rookie tight ends have been emerging all over the place this season, but one man has obviously felt a, a bit left out in that regard. Um, and it's Michael Mayer of the Las Vegas Raiders who went on to lead his team in receiving yards this past week with 75. So, Nate, was this a fluke, or did Vegas actually involved May involve Mayer more in the offense this week than they have earlier this season? Uh, he was used more, so this was very exciting to see out of him. It was uh, concerning even when they drafted him, knowing um, he was probably the most well-rounded tight end of the class. So mm -hmm. um, great for the Raiders that he can be involved as a run blocker compared to some of these other tight ends who are more of receivers. But they also added Austin Hooper and free agency, and Hooper's been exclusively a receiving tight end the past couple seasons. So these last few weeks, uh, we saw Mayer play significantly in 12 personnel, 21 personnel, 22 personnel, had taken 95 of a possible 98 snaps in those personnel groups over the first five weeks of the season, and he played 100% of snaps. Uh, so that wasn't too surprising, but the big change occurred in 11 personnel. Uh, Mayer had played 32.3% of 11 personnel snaps over the first five weeks of the season. Uh that was down to 30% specifically on third downs. And that completely reversed in this game. Uh, played 72% in 11 personnel over the course of the entire game. 86% on third down. So if anything, I expected Hooper. If he was going to see just a small role, it would be primarily on third downs. But uh, it was Michael Mayer who's seeing the amount of snaps that you're hoping to see out of a fantasy starting tight end. So that was great to see. And then he saw the targets. He saw the receptions. I gained 75 receiving yards. Uh, great to see, especially considering how little he was targeted, especially those first couple weeks of the season. So probably want to see this a couple more weeks before I'd be comfortable putting him in my starting lineup. But I think this was promising enough that and a big enough change in how they were using him that I'd expect them to continue doing this going forward, considering how successful it was. And if they keep targeting him, then he's going to be a fantasy starter going forward. So definitely happy to stash him for a couple weeks, see how he continues to do. But if he keeps doing this well, then I'd be comfortable starting him in the next couple weeks. Yeah, I'm with you. This has been nice to see. And yeah, like I said, he, he'd kind of been the odd man out from this rookie tight end class, but uh, getting more involved this week. So hopefully that sticks and then we can have a really nice rookie tight end class to help us boost that position a little bit more. That has been a bit of a wasteland uh, from time to time in the past few seasons. But um, let's go from one rookie tight end who led their team in receiving yards to a sophomore tight end who went on to do the same. This one from the Arizona Cardinals and Trey McBride. Um, so we know Zach Ertz has given us a few instances of usable fantasy production this season um, but now it's McBride who leads the way in terms of production so Nate did the usage uh, match up with the production here for these Arizona tight ends this past weekend uh, yeah, we did see a, a boost for McBride and a decline for Ertz in playing time. Ertz saw his decline both in 11 and 12 personnel in this game. Um, over the past few weeks, it had been McBride taking a significant amount of snaps in 12 personnel and Ertz kind of rotating in and out with uh, Jeff Swaim, who is primarily a blocking tight end at this point in his career. So in this game, it was mostly McBride and Swaim taking the 12 personnel snaps. Uh, they saw nine each, where Ertz only played four snaps. 
But then there was also that major shift in 11 personnel where McBride played 30 of 60 snaps in 11 personnel in this game compared to 27 by Earth. So a pretty close to a 50-50 split in terms of 11 personnel usage. But that was a complete difference compared to how they had been using the tight ends in 11 personnel before Ertz had handled 146 snaps in 11 personnel over the first five weeks uh, that was compared to 33 by Swaim who had seen the second most and 24 by McBride so McBride played more in 11 personnel in this game than the previous five weeks put together so a pretty significant shift uh, this led to four receptions, 62 receiving yards both tied for the team lead this week so good to see out of McBride um, he's someone that I'm probably comfortable at least picking up off the waiver wire to see if this trend either continues or shifts even more in McBride's favor since he was a former second round pick and should be the future tight end of the team. And especially if they're getting to a point where they know they're not going to make the playoffs this year and are looking more ahead towards the future, it would make sense to get McBride more involved. But I think it will be a little bit hard to trust him as a potential fantasy starter as long as Ertz is there, since I could see Ertz at least getting some playing time each week, even if he's not going to be fantasy relevant anymore, but he could still prevent McBride from being fantasy relevant. Since while this was a decent increase for McBride, it's still nowhere near the amount of playing time that he was seeing late last season when Ertz was injured. So um, it'll be interesting to see how this uh, shakes out going forward. I think Ertz is someone that at least in shallower leagues can pop, probably be dropped since I'm guessing this will be a trend that continues of at least closer to a 50-50 split rather than going back to Ertz being the clear top tight end. But it'll be interesting to see how this shakes out going forward. Yeah, that's a good call. And like you said, it's it's about half of what we saw from him when Ertz was out last year um, as far as snap share goes. So th that that part of it is always going to kind of limit him. But nice 24% target rate, it, it, you know, we will take that for sure. But we do want to see, yeah, at least um, potentially him get a little bit more snaps than that. But it will be tough with Ertz in the mix as well. So, um, yeah, good stuff. That is going to do it. That's another wrap here on another weekly recap so uh thank you all for listening and uh thank you to nate for doing all going through all these details with us uh today so like i said before if you're missing anything that we didn't talk about today um, i can promise you nate has it covered in his fantasy recaps for every single game from this past weekend over on pff.com uh, which you could check out for free right now nate thank you again and uh, please remind the good folks what else you have up on pff.com right now to help them sort through this past week's worth uh, of data. Sure. So I have the recap of all 13 games from yesterday. There were a number of things that I wanted to get in the top 10 recap, but since I limited it to 10 things, there are a lot of good nuggets that did not make uh, this conversation that we just had. I also had the top 10 recap, which if you listen to all of this, you don't need to read but also have the waiver wire article that went up today. So a good 30 players that are worth considering off the waiver wire. Lots of interesting running backs and tight ends this week that we'll cover tomorrow in full. I will also note that our coworker Brad has a nice article about potential trade targets and players that could get traded. We have the trade deadline in two weeks from now. 
So um, some of the situations that we we're talking about now, there's at least a small chance that Ertz could get traded. I mentioned Kendrick Bourne could get traded. A lot of these kind of conversations of players who have high upside will get a bit more information within these next couple weeks of if a player will or will not get traded. So definitely check that out to see who could get traded because that also has plenty of fantasy football implications going forward. Nice. Yeah, I'm excited. Potentially uh, busy trade deadline. Hopefully give us some excitement over there and shake things up. But uh, yeah, again, a, a huge shout out to the PFF data collection team, as always, for crushing another monster weekend of games. Uh, there is no better football data available anywhere, and we owe it all to the best data collection team in the multiverse. Um, again, thank you all for listening. We will be back tomorrow to go over the week's top waiver wire targets. Good luck closing out uh, those fantasy matchups with Monday Night Football tonight. And until next time, peace out.